Hello, and welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm George Stahl with Anna Bryant and Scott Reel, and we're excited to join you wherever you are today, in your car, uh, in your office during lunch, hopefully not during work hours, <laughs> um, uh, on a walk, on a run, wherever you are, we're just thrilled that you're joining us. And today we want to talk about uh, living by vision and what that can mean to our journey of growth, healing, and wholeness. Um, and uh, vision happens when we begin to ask new questions about the life we are living. Um, is it adequate? Is it satisfying? Is it complementing who we truly are? Or is it distracting us or diverting us from being the person that we are? So sometimes we hold tight to the lives that we have. And even when it proves to be in some way hurting our lives. And so uh, uh, Stephen Pressfield, he says this in, in his book, The War of Art, which we think really sets up our conversation today. He says, most of us have two lives, um, the life we live and the unlived life within us. So we want to talk about that unlived life. And the Bible says, without a vision, people perish. Scott, help us not perish as people. How do we do that? How, how can we have a vision so we don't perish and we can thrive and live this unlived life within us? Where do we start? It starts with, I think, becoming aware of, do I even have a vision? And, and it's often in our society because, again, we're so um, uh, consumer-driven. When I say, do you have a vision for your life? People automatically start thinking about my achievements, you know, what I'm going to have. And that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is the vision of the person that I am, that I want to be, that I believe that I'm capable of becoming. And more importantly, even that God is inspiring in me to see and believe this is who you are. If you're your true self and you're living your life to the fullest, and Jesus said, I came that you would have life and have it to the fullest. It has to come through vision. Vision, I always think of the word inspiration. God is inspiring in us, and we are co-creating every day. And then what we now know about neuroplasticity, and that even my brains are, I can, God can help me rewire my brain, that I'm beginning to have narrative up here that is saying, you're a good man, this is who you are. And so, because I believe that if, if we can see, first of all, if we believe we have a vision and we're believing it. Then we start to see it and then we start to become it. And then when we become it, our whole destiny is changed because we do everything differently. But again, our society, we focus on the problems. Most of our efforts are extrinsically driven, you know, from consequences and problems. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. And we miss it. Or, or we have a vision that's not ours. It's what I think I should have, or, or my parents thought I should have, or just, or even people close to me. And so it's not my vision, and that actually then can even lead me astray even more. So having a true, authentic, God-driven, co-created, this, this beautiful power of grace, becoming this man. And so the reason it's important for me is I saw years ago that, that 
Vision is what creates the intrinsic motivation that sustains our change, so our transformation. So to be transformed, it is driven from vision, which is why I go back to the beginning of Journey Freedom. That's where the very thing we start with was Michelangelo, I saw vision, the angel in a stone, and I carved into it, I set him free. Who are we becoming? And then holding on, I've been working with some, some men up at drug court, and and these guys have been struggling in this in their jail time and then in their recovery from uh, drugs and we've been working this last couple of weeks on vision and everything started to change for them when they began to believe that they were worthy to have a vision what kind of father were they going to be what were they, their life going to be like when they were free and stayed free from drugs and to and to see that for that to happen they needed to sustain that change, that transformation, by holding on to a vision that they kept in front of them every day. That's why if, if I have a vision in front of me, but I don't believe it, it has no power. There's no power what I say I believe in, but I, but I really don't. Michael Neal said in Power to Choose. So having a vision that I believe in and God and I are co-creating in me, and, that, and I'm growing into it and it's inspiring me every day, that keeps me growing and I don't need this old stuff anymore versus focusing on the old stuff, trying not to do it. Do you see the difference? Yeah, it's a yeah. huge paradigm shift. So week five is, uh, the whole section is entitled Overcoming Obstacles. But the center of it is to overcome them. It's learning to live more by vision. And I, what was interesting, I want to throw this to you, Anna, is you were saying that one of those obstacles could be that we don't really see ourselves clearly. Like we really don't, in a in a holistic way, know who we truly are, because we've been told by others, um, family of origin. It could be you know the culture that we grew up surrounded by. So uh, that's interesting place to start. That maybe one of the obstacles that maybe we're not aware of is that we don't really see ourselves accurately and as uniquely as we should. I think that is a very true and valid point because we are shaped by um, our experience. And so the messages that we get from our family of origin, um, I think it's very common for us to see ourselves in more of a negative light because, you know, as children, our, our parents see their a large part of their responsibility not just to care for us, but to shape our character, which is part of the job, right? But if you grew up in a family where your character was shaped in a way that you were constantly corrected for what you did wrong, but seldom affirmed for what you did right, you could easily like begin to view yourself as less than or um, negative or uh, just not good enough because you, you're all of the negative things are called out to your attention, but the positive things never, never are. And I think that is probably. Um, that happens a lot, especially maybe if you are um, grown up in a, if you grew up in a family of faith where um, moral image there's kind of a pressure to perform and to teach and train your children that the way that they should go. So if children misstep, then that tends to be a reflection on the parents. Um, so yes, that does shape who we are. Um, uh, you know, in addition to like the culture that we live in, um, there is. Um, 
obviously a high pressure to perform both academically, athletically. Uh, there's a very narrow definition of what is acceptable physically to look like, uh, both for men and for women. There is just a general standard that probably the vast majority of us can't actually live up to. So therefore, again, just that negative self um, worth self thought is reinforced not only by maybe what we were uh, taught in our family, but the society that we grow up in at large. Um, and so it takes a lot, I believe, self reflection to begin to really grapple with that and overcome the many messages that we have received in childhood and our formative years, and and not just in childhood, but also in in our adult life, um, to really. Uh, just take some time to mull it over and um, think, okay, is, is this actually true? Or is this like, where, where were these messages coming from? And is, is, can that be held up as a standard of truth? Or do I need to filter that through the lens of logic and um, perhaps God's word and really taking it with some grains of salt? So th- at this point, in the journey on week five, we're beginning to ask new questions about mm-hmm. our life yeah. and where we're living and the voices, the things that we're seeing about our lives, where they came from. And so, Scott, you said uh, in one of the chapters that when we're motiv- motivated by need, we settle. But when we're motivated uh, by vision, we can grow and move out of that. So, Anna, you're talking about some of our vision, how it's shaped by our past. Um, Scott, we're trying to help people move uh, and not just settle for that, but to move into something new as they begin to ask new questions, to have new vision. So how's that, how's that begin? How do we help people begin to have a different kind of vision about their future and about their lives? First of all, it's, it's letting them know the, the value of their uniqueness, their life, that they are worthy to have a vision because um, that is one of my favorite sayings that when we are motivated by need, we settle. But when we are motivated by vision, it always leads to God's best for us. So having this vision that God and I are growing together um, is going to lead to my best. Um, that's, that's the narrow road again. That's the narrow path. Because it's so easy to settle for need, you know, and and we just accept things that we really would not have in our vision, but we accept them for now because, you know, I I know this one guy one time, it was actually a minister said that um, he was really lonely one night and um, he went into the refrigerator and got a thing of ice cream out and ate the whole thing. And he he said, you know, and he knew that he was reaching. Now we're talking a simple thing like reaching for ice cream, but... He was making point. He was filling his need with with something that wasn't really what was needed to fill the need. So it is so much easier to reach for the ice cream. What I always say, reach for whatever drink it is. And um, so, so having a vision that is driven from self-worth and, and the belief that God is growing in me. I go back to what Brene Brown talks about that about hope, that at the center of hope is creativity. And I found years ago um, in, a, in a book that um, 
said that, um, that the word enthusiasm in Greek meant with God. So I always think of when Brene Brown says that, that creativity, and I think of enthusiasm and creativity being really intertwined. So in other words, God and I are creating this vision that I'm hopeful for. And what Brene Brown says is creativity gives a person a sense of empowerment, which is what I think I'm trying to describe here, that I can say to a person that you're empowered through God to create a vision for your life. The type of father you want to be, the type of mother you want to be, the type of husband you want to be, the type of wife. And we were talking about just with my group with the drug court, just the man. How do, you, how do you want the world to remember you and to experience you and to know that at any time God can create a new beginning and you can begin to forge out that new vision right here, right now. And, it, and I can see the inspiration. I see the light come on in her eyes. All of a sudden it's like, because that's the hope, I believe, of, of inherent value, of that, a, a meaning and purpose in my life. All that comes out of that vision. Um, and, and I know, on, and this sounds really simple, but on days that I don't have a vision, that I just kind of drift and wander through my day, those are not my best days. And as I've said before, that's where I'm vulnerable to slip into my shadow self, where all the distractions and all the things that are not good for me wait. And I just want to numb myself. I just want to escape. Um, so being motivated by need is... It is easy. It really is easy. It's the easy, it's a wide road to settle. But the narrow road to, to, to hold on to a vision motivated by God, um, it's, it's life-changing. I don't think there's anything as important in recovery and transformation as having that strong a vision that you're holding on to because it will sustain the journey. And so now we're talking about something that's moving us out of the past. Um, when we live by vision, we're not stuck in the past any longer. And, uh, and um, in the book, you said the beauty of change is the only thing required is the desire to have a life different from the one you now have. Like, so to have that desire is the beginning of beginning to see something different. Um, and that is not defined by the past. And that's what you're trying to help people do, that you can't always change the past. But what you can change is from this moment on how you're going to uh, live differently or how you're going to see your life moving towards something more healthy and good. Um, so in a group experience, Anna, um, you probably see light bulbs go on as people are are expressing their past and they're beginning to get in touch more deeply with who they truly are. Um, what's that feel like in a moment? It is really an incredible thing to be a part of, to watch people really begin to register their worth and value in a way that perhaps they have not grappled with before and to begin to um, see vision and see uh, light for a different possibility than what their experience has been previously. Um, I will say, I do think sometimes the idea of living by vision can trip people up a little bit in the sense that they think they have to have a specific outcome planned out. And so I think it's really important to clarify that living by vision 
um, is closely linked with the idea of hope and that it is very open-ended. It is not specifically circumstantial, but it's more living by the person I want to become. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean a particular job title or a particular achievement, but it is much more about the reflection of our character and our interior life and how that manifests itself outwardly in relationships and in the way that we live life. Um, and so I just thought that clarification is important because we had a group last week, we were covering this and, you know, the light bulbs are going on. And then one person in particular was like, I, I, don't, I don't know about this. I feel like this is me telling God what to do. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not telling God what, what it is that, you know, he has to do to make you. But it is, again, co-creating with him. It's, it's, it's living by the the person that we want to become in the sense of our character and our values and the way that we relate to people, not in this is a particular path that my life is going to go down. Um, But you find that as you live by vision, like that path just kind of unfolds itself in front of you and God does lead you down it. Um, But it's not necessarily knowing the specific turn-by-turn directions for the rest of your life. That's so true. It's like um, this new way of seeing can include you not getting the outcome that you want, but it's still ending up being the perfect solution yes. for you. Like because yeah, our, your your vision is is bigger than just a particular outcome um, in your life, and so um, and I think that is faith because that's letting go. That's I'm going to have a new way of seeing my life and myself that even when I don't get everything that I want, I'm going to, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to grow. Um, Cause you're going to become the person yeah. that you are meant to be. Yeah. That's, that. and everything, uh, there was a coach. I was actually, um, by the way, we're recording this podcast on Tuesday after Monday night football where Scott and, and I, our beloved Cleveland Browns finally won a football game. <laughs> And I love to listen to coaches in the locker room, both after losses and wins. And uh, Coach Stefanski told the Browns after the win, he says, everything we want is on the other side of hard. And I'm like, that is true about life, that um, even the good things that we see about ourselves, they don't just come to us easily. Sometimes it involves having a vision and and working towards something. So, Scott, This new vision we're beginning to believe is true. There's something within us that we're, it's not just coming from ourselves, like Annie, you're saying, like this is, we're getting help. There is this guidance in our lives, this grace, this love that wants the best for us. And so we're opening our hearts to tune into that more, to look more deeply at how we've been wounded, what inspires us. But let's be honest, there are difficult things that we have to face to, to overcome or to work through or to live with. Um, so when we're in those moments, how do we hold on to that vision? How, or what holds on to us, I guess, maybe is even a better question to not let go of it. Well, first of all, that I have relationships in my life that first and foremost, that will, that know that vision, sharing it with me and are going to walk with me in that. Support, again, Karn says, the most important aspect of recovery is the ability to build healthy, supportive relationships. And so do I have those voices in my life? They're going to call me forward when I start to slip into my shadow self, when I start to give up. Because the reality is there's going to be good and bad days. 
in our pursuit of this. It's a journey, um, and there will be there will be some very difficult days. Um, the key for me is 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 what I've I've mentioned before, but I think it's worth mentioning again, and that is. The, the way that God, what we know about the human brain, the way that God created us, we're forward thinking. We really need something to look forward to. And, and like what we've been talking about here and Anna just emphasized, if I've set my sights on some kind of circumstance and then that circumstance doesn't respond in a timely manner that I wanted it to, I can slip into despair and I just then I just want to punt the whole effort, which we do. And we turn to our distractions. But if I have a North Star, an exemplary cause, which is God and I are creating this character, that's what it says in Romans. They rejoice in trials and tribulations, afflictions. It, you develop endurance, and endurance develops what? Character. And character produces hope. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to say, hope that will not disappoint. And so how do I get character? I hang in there during those difficult times. Because the reality is, um, there was a movie, um, I think it was called Men of Honor, with Robert De Niro and Cuba Gooding. And it was a true story of the first African-American Navy deep sea diver. And, um, and it was, you know, our services were very segregated back then. This was back in the 40s. And um, his... Uh, his dad, Cuba Gooding, was an African. He was an African American guy. Became the the diver, and his father was like a sharecropper in some place like Kentucky. He lived a very hard life, and when the scene is when he made the decision to go to the Navy to to pursue his vision, his dream, and his dad was a very quiet man, but a very good man who worked very hard, and he doesn't say much, um, and then he's getting ready to get on the bus to go to. To, to the to the Navy to to become this, and his dad tells him, you know, it's going to be hard. And then his dad says he looks at him with a, almost a very painful look. He says it will be hard. Don't you quit? Don't come back here, you know. And I thought about that, you know, our our growth and our becoming character. Is that's that's the reality. Life, it's not. It might be hard. It it will be. It will be. And knowing that, that's where we got to hold on to the vision. And Cuba Gooding's character did, and he becomes this first diver. And it was just, it's one of my favorite movies because what he overcomes. And I think that's. That's a true story for us. Life is going to be hard. And so, but he had a North Star. He had an exemplary cause. He saw the man because he had to become, he had to be that man if he was ever even going to have a chance to become that diver. So whatever that is in our lives, without the character, without the inner growth. And so, you know, that's what I'm looking for with everybody I work for, and that's what I'm looking for. Do I have a North Star? Do I have an exemplary cause? Because when life gets hard and I start drifting, I got to get reoriented, redirected, I got to get back on the path, and I got to have relationships around me that will point me back towards that path, help me pull out of that downward spiral, and get back on the path. And especially knowing that um, it's progress, not perfection. And any time I slip, any time I have a setback and I, and I fall backwards, it is two steps forward, one step back. 
is I have permission because shame is going to tell me, yep, it's not you, it's not, you blew it, you're out of here, quit. And then we pull away and we isolate and we disconnect from the vision. So um, if anybody's listening, take the time to build the vision with God, to co-create it. See the person that you're going to grow into. Become that person, and then you'll see everything in life differently. And, uh, and then life, that's where Frankl says, when circumstances won't change, we must change. And the one guarantee that can change is my character. I can change. Even though my circumstances may not, I have the ability. And that's, to me, that is the greatest definition of the hope of recovery, of transformation. It feels good to change for the good, to, to see a better you. and It's growth. Any, yeah, any, yeah. any experience of growth is the greatest thing. There's, there's a joy in that. that uh, and uh, this, this is going to sound trivial, but I, I always tell people I run for treats. Like when I'm on my run, when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, okay, I'm running today because there's going to be something that I'm going to want to enjoy to eat. And what is crazy is how hard it is to start off on that run. And then even in the middle of the run, it's sometimes difficult. But I can't ever recall ending my run and feeling worse. Like when you do the hard work, um, there's just this joy. And Scott, what you're talking about, and I want to hear you speak to this, but you're giving yourself permission to start again when you got this vision and you stumble or you stall. you stall. Yeah, it's like it's continually giving yourself permission to start again. And there is a joy in that, even knowing that... That you, you're not giving up. You're not you're giving gonna up, you're going to continue to strive for. And I tell myself continuously, this is my favorite piece of advice to myself, but it's that things worth having seldom come easy. And so that includes our character and the outcomes of the vision that we're trying to live into and live up to. We are going to have setbacks. We are going to fail. We are going to have to start again. But um, And it's going to be a difficult road, but that to me just means it's that much more worth it because what you're building, what you're creating, what you're becoming, it's it's worth having. And if it if it comes too easy, it's probably not that valuable and, and the reality too is where shame can can miscommunicate to us is i'm not beginning all over i'm not starting all over i'm beginning from the point that i was it's that's why we like prochaska's model of recycling you know i'm starting from here not where i was a year ago i'm starting from here i have more wisdom i have made some progress so so even though i have had a slip or a stall and i've fallen backwards I pick back up from a higher point up, and now I make a new beginning. And and that's really the way recycling works. Yeah, every mistake, every uh, misstep is a learning experience. It's an opportunity to build our wisdom. It's a, an opportunity for us to see where things could have been different and better and to move forward in that, not to see it as a defeat. But um, I, I firmly believe that, like, mistakes are our best teachers. We, we don't learn from our successes. We learn from our failures. And none of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. And we all have limitations. It's the way we were created. Yeah. We were designed as humans to learn. We, yeah. That's part of how God designed us. And that is how we learn is by making mistakes. And isn't that part of the new vision is some humility? 
to you know to yeah. be aware that you're not this perfect being and other people aren't perfect i've said before the greatest reality i have experienced is that it has not been my great skills and successes that have <laughs> it has been my failures and my weaknesses that is where i've had my greatest growth and the best me has come from that and so but yeah. that but your vision is that you're not your failures or you're not your setbacks you're not you which helps you overcome those it's the way I look at it when God uses them. Mm. If the listener could hear this word, growth. Growth is everything. Growth means setbacks, struggles, mistakes. But, you know, if, if I, there's just something hopeful about knowing that I'm growing. And, and I know when I'm growing. And often my greatest growth spurts come on the after side of a great mistake. Or a great trial. Or yeah, a great there's struggle. no room for growth and perfection. So, for those of you who are recovering perfectionists, like, can I just encourage You're you? You're perfect. <laughs> don't strive for perfection because there's no growth in perfection, and it, it's just that's not where you want to be. You want to be growing. Yes. Don't ever, ever, ever give up on yourself. You know, and, and the tendency sometimes is we feel like that's what I because I can look at I, I just had a failure. Or I can say, I am a failure, which is a toxic shame message. And that's when we give up. And that's when we, we retreat versus saying, I just had a failure. I, I made a mistake. I failed to, at what I was trying to do. But I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to grow. And I'm going to actually get closer to where. And, and that's, to me, that's why grace is the most powerful force in the universe. Because grace never, ever gives up on us, ever. And there's no mistake that grace can't cover. None. Not a single one. Yet our society does label certain mistakes as unforgivable. And I will say that's one thing that I love about what we offer here at Restore as a ministry is that there's, there's no road that you could have walked where you will not be graciously loved and forgiven. Um, there is no, there's no place you can't turn back from. We are not defined by what we've done but we are defined by what we do with what we have done. Mm -hmm. How we respond. That's the true definition of our character. Yeah. Wow. And it has a lot to do with vision for this present moment and vision for the future, not just trapped in the vision of the past. Yeah. I mean, wasn't Paul said I'm the greatest of all sinners, you know, and, you know, he, he, you know, look what he had done, where he had been. If I look at everything that I've done wrong, all my failures, all my weaknesses, I would have given up on this thing a long time ago. But there's been this voice of grace, this exemplary cause of Christ pulling me forward, always encouraging me, you know, we're going to get better from this. We're going to get, you know, we're going to grow from this, Scott. We're going to learn from this. Come on. Let me help you get up. And that's the voice of grace that has sustained my growth and um and as you guys know, I'm the most imperfect person. <laughs> You're kidding me. I don't know. If we had a contest, we might be neck and neck in that one. <laughs> the only thing that I could mark you as being imperfect is, is it's, but it's your, I was going to say no hair, but you, your, your beautiful shiny head um, makes you even more perfect. <laughs> so I can't even say that. <laughs> um, yeah, we, this isn't, this isn't easy. Um, 
and working toward this this new way of seeing ourselves, um, this vision that pulls us out of the past. Uh, yeah, we shouldn't be trying to do it alone. And I, I hear you guys constantly saying that's why a place like Restore exists is because uh, a small group at Restore helps us do two things. It helps us ask the questions we need to ask, uh, you know, about ourselves and how we're seeing ourselves and what we think about ourselves. But it also gives us others that could witness to the goodness in us. And somehow in seeing others witness to the goodness, there's a sense that there's a divine presence active in our lives too that's at work. And yeah, so um, we all need to move out of just our own heads, out of isolation, in the places where we could have others help us develop this this new way of seeing this vision. Well, let's end with this because we're being honest about the fact that this is a path that's not the easiest path, um, that it might be the more difficult path. It's the more rewarding, and it does lead to the better life that we all hold on to and, and hope for our lives. But resistance is something that we're going to face. And so can you guys, can you leave us with some words as to why we would choose that path of resistance and why that is convincingly better for us? I said it once and I will say it again. Worthwhile things seldom come easy. So if you are experiencing resistance in following the vision of who you know you are meant to be of that vision and that spark that God has put in you to live that, live your life to the fullest extent, that abundant life that you know is out there, but you have not been um, grasping hold of because it's a little difficult to get to, then you know you're on the right path. You know, I'll give an example, just again, what I'm experiencing right now at this stage in my life. And I'm in my 60s and um, I'm just now really growing into what I would call a healthy, loving relationship that's successful. And what I have found is that I am, I have a vision for the man I want to be in that relationship and how he would be. And then I have a vision for how I want the relationship to be. It would be founded on honesty and transparency and vulnerability. And I find that there's a lot of resistance to being honest and transparent and vulnerable in a relationship because I lose a risk, I lose control, but yet the vision that I want requires that. And so that's that vision, to, to sustain that vision, and then I risk and I find that recently I just did this, I told this person exactly what I was feeling and, and, and it was a vulnerable place and yet it led to great growth and so I saw, wow, I stayed in there with the vision. I, it sustained my, the, the, the growth of the character and the person I want to be. And there was this amazing experience of growth with this person that I would not have had if I would have retreated to the least resistance to my old pattern. Well, well, don't go there. That way you can, you can control your environment and you don't risk. And so it's like, but then it's just carry that into all other aspects of my life. This is, this is what, when I say the path of least resistance, I have my old ways, all my escapes, all my controlling mechanisms, and 
and they avail no no experience other than insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, getting a different result. But by living through the vision, and there is resistance, and a lot of that resistance is the fear of I could lose control. And it's, it's, I don't know if this is making sense, but that courage, and it takes courage to keep living through vision, let it be driven by the growth of our character, becoming this person, and then everything in our life changes. Mm-hmm. It's unfamiliar, though, and, and we're so fearful of what we don't know and living in a new and different way than our established patterns. It's, it's going to come up against some resistance, and that's okay. Yeah, and I think that's why we, we have this saying about emotional sobriety. I don't even have to be acting out of a specific substance or behavior. It's just my insobriety. I'm not sober with my emotions. I'm, I'm wanting to hide. I'm wanting to retreat. I'm wanting to, to run away to the path of least resistance. That's where you got to hold on to the vision and take the risk. And every time you, you know, it's interesting, a friend, friend of mine, a therapist, sent me these tapes on, on anxiety. And they were saying that anything that we continue to avoid to somehow control this fear actually strengthens the fear. And that's how you create a phobia. And that you have to step into those things that you fear to learn I'm not going to die. I told the, you know, I can tell the truth, give up control, be a man, experience growth of character, and we'll be okay. And then that creates, again, it's physiological, it creates a new neural pathway. So I just think that's so hopeful that at such an advanced age <laughs> as mine, by having a vision of the, it, it's, it's what's pulling me forward. It sounds like you guys or welcoming resistance. Is that true? Ooh, bring it. Bring it. Uh, well, and I can't think of I can't think of two more wonderful people that I've witnessed living resistance and growing into more beautiful human beings. So that truly is who you guys are. Well, uh, I wanted to end with uh, perhaps if you are someone who's facing resistance right now, um, in Stephen Pressfield's books, he, he talks about some of the things that we might receive resistance in. So I, I'd like to just end with this. And if this is you, um, let this encourage you because you're probably on the path of a more healthy path, uh, um, seeing more good things for your life if you're experiencing some of these. But in his book, he, he lists 11, but he says, the pursuit of any calling in writing, painting, music, film, dance, any creative art, however marginal or unconventional, the launching of any entrepreneurial venture or enterprise for profit or otherwise, any diet or healthy regimen. Because, by the way, Restore is talking about it's mind, body, and spirit, this journey of freedom that we're on, this path of healing. It's, it's all three of those. Um, any program of spiritual advancement, any activities whose aim is tighter abdominals, <laughs> um, any course or program designed to overcome an unwholesome habit or addiction. These are things we're going to face resistance in. Um, education of every kind. Um, any act of political, moral, or ethical courage, including the decision to change for the better some unworthy pattern or thought or conduct in ourselves. These are all things that, yeah, we're going to counter resistance. The undertaking of any enterprise or endeavor whose aim is to help others. Any act that entails the commitment of the heart. <laughs> all the things that you guys invite people into groups all the time. 
commitment of the heart. Uh, the decision to get married, to have a child, to weather a rocky patch in a relationship. And then finally, uh, he says, uh, the taking of any principal stance in the face of adversity. Yeah, these are things we face resistance. In other words, any act that rejects immediate gratification in favor of long-term growth, health, or integrity. Or expressed another way, any act that derives from our higher nature instead of our lower. So friends, um, thank you for joining us today. And you heard from Scott and Anna. There is a way to live by vision that, um, yes, we're not going to escape resistance or obstacles or difficulty in our life, but that new way of seeing um, truly does lead to a better life. And so please don't do this alone. Um, if you want to find some people to journey with, Restore Small Groups is a place to reach out to. So you can find us online at www.restoresmallgroups.org. And yes, um, I'm dating myself here. I do not need to say the three W's in front of that. We'll just say restoresmallgroups.org. Yes, when I was in high school, we did not have the internet. Um, Scott just told us his therapist gave him tapes. <laughs> Scott just, yeah, we're, Scott and I are dating ourselves. We, we did it. Yes. Please forgive us. Um, but we are wonderful people that will love and journey with you and help you see the goodness that is in each and every one of you. So until we meet back here again, friends, take care and stay on the path. So until we meet back here again, folks, take friend. Take <laughs> <laughs> Take two. Oh, my God. I got you. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, have no idea. I have no idea what I just said. <laughs> Something about frogs. I don't know. <laughs> George, that was classic.